Hello? Who's there? Awi, <laughs> Naina. Who's your mom? Egua, who's your dad? Welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. I biggest Nitsigasun, Ginekoma My name is Amber Dion and I'm from the Kihiwan Cree Nation right here in Treaty Six Territory. I'm a mother, I'm a social worker, and I'm also an assistant professor with McEwen University School of Social Work, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. Hey, hey! <laughs> My English name is Terry Sengens. I'm from Sally Cree Nation, and I am the Director of Indigenous Initiatives in Keogh Weston at McEwen University. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to the conversations. So welcome to episode 11 on Two Crees in a Pod. Today, uh, Amber and I are doing an episode with just us. And we wanted to do an episode that focuses on indigenous relationships. Uh, One of the things that we've been having a conversation about is um, our own goals, I guess, so to speak, in pursuing our PhD. Um, My research would be looking at um, how ceremony is healing and Uh, Amber's here is around indigenous relationships and so I want to ask you Amber just to share with our listeners um, why that (laughs) why do you want to research indigenous relationships um so I've told you this story and I'm comfortable in sharing it with our listeners um a couple months ago I was having a conversation with a family member and my family member was um, going through a uh, breakup with her partner at the time and we were sitting outside my house and my family member was crying and and was really grieving hard you know Mm -hmm. what she believed to be a relationship that she was going to be in for the rest of her life and as she's crying she looks over at me and the look on her face I think is what struck me first and she was looking at me for answers and I love this person I love her very much and she looked at me and she had this look in her face of just like almost desperation Mm -hmm. and she asked me are we all doomed like are we all doomed Like, are any of us ever going to have a healthy relationship with another Indigenous person? Like, are any of us ever going to experience happiness in a relationship with another Indigenous person? Mm -hmm. And as someone who prides myself on, you know, being, you know, a person who can obviously create space for others to feel safe to tell me these things, um, but also someone who has, like, studied human behavior for a really long time, And, you know, I can make connections quite quickly sometimes with like why, you know, A might equal B and C and D. And in that moment, I looked at my family member and I was like, holy fuck, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to answer that. And I think that my reaction in that moment was fear. Like, I got really scared. And I got scared because my immediate thought was like, fuck, we are doomed. Like, we're doomed. 
Like none of us are actually going to have healthy relationships. <laughs> and then I started thinking about like my relationships. And then I started thinking about my kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, my daughters are never going to have a shot at having a healthy relationship. And I remember sitting there thinking about these things. And then I don't even remember how I responded to this person. Like, I don't even remember what I said, but I do remember that fear that I felt. And in that moment, I thought to myself, wait, you have been, you know, playing around with the idea of doing a PhD. You've been talking about it and you're always like, you know what, Amber, like this is what you would research because it just makes sense. And this is what you would research because it makes sense. And because this is like your past and this is like, you know, you've always been really invested in this work and whatever. And after that conversation with her, I left that conversation and I haven't been able to get that out of my head since. Mm-hmm. That has been in my mind on replay for the last couple months. Yeah. And I knew, and I knew that that is exactly what I needed to do. I needed to look further into what, what, what's going on? Like what's mm-hmm. really going on, you know? And I want to be able to talk to people about what is a healthy relationship. Cause I know that there's indigenous people out there that are having healthy relationships. I have to believe that. Cause if I don't believe that Terry, we are fucking doomed. We are, <laughs> I'm doomed. And so I know that there's people who do have healthy relationships. So I want to know what that is. I wanted us to be able to talk about this because I think that especially right now I have like, I've been in a really vulnerable space over the last you know, at least a month where I've thought about like, what, like I'm 40, (laughs) I'm 40 years old. I have two daughters. I was with their dad for 14 years and it was, it had moments of health. It had moments of wellness. It had moments of joy and, you know, it also had a, a lot of moments of pain. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and I would never speak ill of the father of my children. He's a genuinely amazing man. He's a, he's a phenomenal human and he's endured a lot of shit in his life. It's that shit that we individually endured in our lives that when we came together And you and I talk about this when my Mm -hmm. stuff meets your stuff Mm -hmm. and we dove into a relationship without having a conversation, a real conversation about what each other's needs were and really unpacking the childhood shit Mm -hmm. and not only the childhood shit, the generational collective shit, because we are all in relationships with other children of residential school survivors, boarding schools. Mm -hmm. We are in relationship with collective pain. And for me to say that out loud fucking scares the shit out of me. And I'm cussing a lot in this and I'm okay with that because this is, I'm scared. (laughs) You're smoking a lot. (laughs) I'm going to smoke a whole pack of cigarettes and drink my tea because I am, I'm in a place where I'm really starting to explore this Terry and unpack it in myself too. Yeah. And like, and again, like, it's like, I don't, I, I, I want, I want to be in a healthy relationship. I want to be in a healthy relationship with a partner who 
create space for me who is open to like unpacking all of this stuff but that's really hard that's that's really hard and I'm and I'm and I'm talking and I'm I'm and thank you for creating this space for me to be able to just because you and I before this had a really good conversation about like what is this about right and I really want to start to uncover this mm-hmm. and it's interesting because I think that one of the things too is that <clears throat> you talk about you know those discussions that we have that we don't necessarily have at the beginning of our relationships of what what are our needs and I think that you know even as we go into our relationships and time passes maybe that's a couple years maybe that's five years maybe that's after kids maybe that's after losses also reevaluating those needs and how they have shifted and how they have changed and and sometimes even not knowing I remember being asked by my therapist uh, at one point what are your needs what do you need what do you need in a relationship and I was like shit like I don't know like that's like right now I, I actually don't know when you there was things that I knew what I needed previously years and years and years ago but now you know I've I've changed we grow uh, we learn from experiences we you know go through these different shifts in our life and you know it was a difficult and still is sometimes I think uh, it's difficult to process mm-hmm. about what, what do I need do yeah. I know do I know what I need yeah. in a relationship yeah and you know it's interesting you say that because many many years ago uh, and I'm going to give a shout out to William Aguiar again on our podcast because I was in school at Blue Quills and I was with the father of my kids and I remember him and I were making some pretty life altering relationship changing decisions and William Aguiar and I were sitting together in a therapy session because at that time William was my therapist and he said to me I want you to do some homework and I'm like okay and he said I want you to go home and I want you to write down all of your needs in your relationship and I'm like my needs in my relationship and he's like yeah I want you to go home and I want you to write down all of your needs in your relationship and I want you to bring it back to me I'm like okay so I went home and I started thinking and I'm like I, I don't know um, maybe someone who is I don't know supportive and I started to like think about like what really are my needs in this relationship yeah. I made a list and it was big so I brought it back to him I said here's my list sorry for the background noise noise folks we're we're sitting in a parking lot this is what we do we're gonna listen to music in the background but I don't know if you want to listen to what we're listening to and I brought back my brought brought back my list and William looks over it and he scans it and he said okay now your next step I want you to check off all the ones that are met by your partner I'm like okay so I took it home and I thought about our relationship and I checked off the ones that he was able to meet I brought it back to William William said now look at all the rest can you live the rest of your life in this relationship Mm -hmm. knowing that he cannot meet those needs and not because he doesn't want to Amber because he doesn't know how 
And can you live the rest of your life in this relationship knowing that he can't meet those needs and that you possibly could get them filled by your girlfriends, by your family, healthy, outside of your relationship? Can you do that? And at that point, I thought, yeah, I can do that. Yep. Because people like you have met my needs, right? Mm -hmm. One of my needs is to be, feel supported in a relationship. I want someone who's going to do high kicks, rah, 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 do, you could do this, you know, I wasn't able to get that in that relationship, Mm -hmm. but I got it from someone like you, where you were my cheerleader. You were my person that I, when I would go to and I'd be like, oh my God, I got an A on my paper. You would do high kicks for me. You were like, Mm -hmm. good job, Amber. Good for you. My partner wasn't able to do that for me. And my partner wasn't able to do that for me because of what he didn't get right. in his relationships in early childhood. He didn't know how to do that for me. And so I think that that's where this, this is coming from is like, what did we not get in our childhoods? What did we not get from those early childhood, like those early childhood relationships that we seek out from others mm-hmm. in our adult relationships And that we aren't able to provide because we genuinely don't know how. Now, the other piece I will say about that, though, is that while I agree that there's people who may not be able to meet our needs, I'm really sick and tired of the rhetoric, though, that a lot of our people use around like, well, I didn't have that, so I don't know how to do it. So therefore, you're not going to get that from me. We're adults now. We have choice we can unpack this shit and we can actually work through it together as adults. And I think that that's where part of my fear and my frustration comes from is that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to say, okay, I haven't been able to give you that. You need that. And I haven't been able to give it to you, but I want to try. I want to try. But if we consistently and constantly get into relationships with other people who use that rhetoric and that narrative Mm -hmm. to disengage purposely and be blissfully kind of ignorant in that I think that's really super problematic and I think again that's part of a survival tactic it's part of a survival tactic and I and this is and again this is where I think I don't want to just survive like I feel like I'm singing an Adele song right now like I don't want to just survive in relationships I want there to be thriving I want indigenous couples to thrive just started playing Sam Smith I <laughs> I'm going to start singing Sam Smith. I'm going to start singing Sam Smith. And I, and I, and again, Terry, like I, I think about this a lot and I have been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot because I know that there are so many of our people who are in relationships and that have been in relationships like I have who want so badly for that relationship to work out. Mm-hmm. They do. They want it so badly. And I think that one of the other things that I've recognized, and this is part of my own stuff, because you know my stuff, and part of my stuff is about rescuing. And rescuing to the point where I have genuinely felt that in my relationships, that I could love someone into loving themselves, Mm -hmm. therefore returning the love to me. And while that sounds good in theory, and it sounds good to say that, like, I'm going to, I'm going to love you so much that you are going to love yourself. And then in return, just give me a little piece of that. Just give me a little piece of that love that I've given to you. And then never giving it back. 
And that's what I don't want my girls to endure, Terry. I don't want my daughters to grow up to be these beautiful indigenous girls that they are. And to feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel hope when they meet an indigenous man or a girl, whatever they decide. I want them to feel some hope where they're like, you know what? We could do this. But we can only do it if we start to really look at what's happening for us, right? Like what's happening for us when this shit comes up and whether it be, you know, again, like something to do with attachment. And a lot of our people don't have the language. They just Mm -hmm. don't. And not because they, they don't, not because they're not bright or not because they're not Mm -hmm. whatever. They just don't have the language for it. So they can't even name it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I want people to be able to name it. I want people, people to be able to say, you know what? I'm feeling a little abandoned right now. I'm feeling a little neglected and I'm feeling this way because, you know, I've recognized that you've distanced yourself from me or you're working a lot or whatever it might be. I want people to be able to have that language to do that, but for the recipient to also be able to say like, okay, I, I'm hearing you, Right. And I have hope that we could do this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe we're fucking doomed, <laughs> Terry. Maybe as indigenous people, we're just doomed. And we just don't have help. I don't know. I don't know the answer. And we've talked before we started the podcast. Um, we talked about, you know, our fathers being residential schools. Survivors. And you said something that just... Hmm stayed with me and then we just we stopped talking and obviously pressed record because I think that that was part of the conversation that needs to go into this is this um, because of that and and us growing up watching that and them coming out of residential school and parenting that the way that they did parent um, and then how we have (laughs) literally tried to shift that and change that in our own relationships right of how we are trying to ensure that our children are not um, following patterns of, of, again, unhealthy relationships or watching unhealthy parenting and, and having that language with our children of explaining this. And they're, they're young, like you have your, your teenage daughter, but my children are still very young. Mm-hmm. And having these conversations about, okay, this is unhealthy behavior. You know, or being open enough to say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's like, I think back to, you know, what you were talking about, um, one of the things it brought up was before I met my husband, I was in a previous relationship and it wasn't, um, he cheated on me and we separated, I left. Um, and there was so much hurt from that moving on and then going into my relationship with my husband and how that I had to make a decision. Yeah. I remember at one point having to make a decision and he had, and we were young and he had went out with friends and I remember feeling, and I didn't want to go out. I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go to the to the bar. And so he went out with a bunch of friends and I stayed home. Um, but feeling the anxiety starting to build and like, oh my God, what if, 
What if he cheats on me? What if he's seeing somebody else? What if, what if, what if? And the anxiety that caused for me. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up a book and and I started reading this book and I started talking about these experiences and how we need to recognize when this stuff comes up for us and we need to re- recognize is this actually in present moment or is this our past right and so for me I was recognizing okay I'm actually living my previous relationship right now yeah I this has nothing to do with my husband because he has he's he's never shown me that side where I I couldn't trust him right and making a decision at that moment to say okay you need to leave this like you need to let go of this because this will impact your future relationship and I think so many of us have whether we're in unhealthy relationships or move into multiple relationships, we'll carry that shit with us yep. of, well, you can't trust, you can't trust anybody, right? Like everybody's going to cheat on you or, you know, and how do you just let go of that control? And I think about, you know, I think about when I skydived mm. last year with Ashley mm-hmm. and, you know, the and I was going through all this stuff with myself of really meeting head on my own fears in my life uh-huh. and it was like you know fear of being alone fear of of you know whatever it was it was like I wanted to challenge that and I needed to do that for my own healing and going out and jumping off a plane was one of those things <clears throat> and I remember being so calm I remember being in that plane and it was just peace and then I was like holy shit like I'm gonna fucking jump out of a plane soon and then you're up there and then it's like oh my god and then I remember the recording and and I'm just about to jump out of that door and he's like do you have anything to say and I was like what did I say hashtag uh let go or or not I don't even know I can't even remember but it was like it was about letting go and that fear of whatever built up a fear of dropping out of that plane and then when I actually did it and then I was I was falling and I was like holy shit there was this amazing moment of just peace Uh and I remember looking and I'm like holy shit like it was completely peaceful after obviously that was after the freaking parachute opening <laughs> the first the first 30 seconds were a little bit crazy couldn't breathe but <laughs> but at peace <laughs> a little turbulent but maybe that speaks to like some of that 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 pain yeah you know the fear these stages that we go through in our life of of fear and meeting that fear going through that fear and then finding peace (laughs) yeah finding literally coming out of it and being like wow that was amazing Mm -hmm. why was I why was why was I so you know worked up about it you know when I left my husband the fear of being alone Mm -hmm. and then separating and then being like wow I'm alone and I'm okay I am fine and I could do this and I've obviously you know I had amazing supports like people like you and my other sisters and my family that were able to meet the needs that I needed in my life Mm -hmm. and so 
Yeah. But you know, and you use the word anxiety. And I think that, so one of the things that, again, that I've had to unpack and I've, I've, I've been in this process, like this part isn't new in the sense that like you and I are both the daughters of residential school survivors. So what does that actually mean? Like, what does that actually mean for us in our adult relationships and, and specifically in our intimate partner relationships? And if you think about, you know, we've shared and, you know, we've shared this publicly that our, our fathers struggled with alcoholism and that our, our fathers had struggled with addictions and that our mothers mm-hmm. were with our hus- or their <clears throat> husbands during right. all of this. And I think about like even just one small characteristic that you and I developed being daughters of male residential school survivors who were alcoholics and what was programmed in our brains at a very young age around loyalty, right? Because we've talked about this children, children of alcoholic parents children of addict parents will literally refuse their authentic feelings for attachment all the time, all the time. So we could be genuinely scared, hurt, joyful, whatever it may be, but we will deny our authentic feelings to ensure that there's attachment Mm -hmm. and we will always do that. So being children of residential school survivors, of addicts, we, it has been programmed in our brains, Terry, to be extremely loyal, even when it's not deserving, even when it's not deserving, we are extremely loyal. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you know, again, we've been programmed to believe that men maybe will hurt us. Maybe they will, whether that be, you know, abandonment or neglect or, you know, or there's some sort of ambivalent attachment where we don't know if they're coming back. We don't know what state they're going to come back in. Then we look at our mothers and how our mothers survived, you know, and we, and, and again, when we think about what it means to be a child in that environment, and I, and I'm not saying that you weren't like our childhoods were just fucking screwed up entirely I mean we have had joy in our childhoods too but knowing that we've had these experiences and you and I have been able to do some of that unpacking of that and recognize it and realize what's happening in our in our current relationships like the story you just told about your ex who you know had cheated on you and then with your your husband and when he went out and that anxiety that developed for you and that's that's the shit right there where that anxiety can prevent us from having healthy relationships that anxiety alone of the what ifs and then the lack of healthy communication the lack of being able to say to your partner like I'm feeling really anxious right now and I need you to know that I'm feeling anxious because Mm -hmm. right and so being having the inability to do that because that's not in our language and we haven't been taught to do it and you and I have been taught to do it through other people, right? Through mentors, etc. And I think about how, you know, again, so many of our indigenous relationships, you and I being, you know, the daughters of survivors, we, there has to be a fighting chance for us, for our kids, for future generations. Like our, our literal survival is dependent on us 
having healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And like, we need to keep birthing indigenous babies somehow. Right. And then don't even get me started on after separation and co-parenting because that can be completely healthy too. But but again, because of so much of that, you know, insecure attachment and so much of the insecurities and the wounded egos, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's just, it it seems odd when you watch people healthy co-parent, like Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, well they must, they must be doing up to something, you know, because they can't possibly have a healthy co-parenting relationship, you know? And I just, I want better. I want better for us. I want better for our kids. I want better for our people. Like I want us to be able to have healthy relationships. And then we hear some of our people saying like, well, I give up on native men. I'm done with (laughs) y'all. Like I'm fucking done with y'all. Right. (laughs) And then you want to throw in the towel and you want to say, fuck that. Like, I don't want to do this anymore because I can't, I can't find, you know, and it's not just men. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from a, from a position of a heterosexual female. And so I use that language knowing that that's my social location, but like it's women too. (laughs) But I just think about like how, like we throw in the towel and we're like, well, we're not going to do that anymore. Like we, we're not going to date our own anymore because we're just so fed up with like having to deal with, you know, these, the, these unhealthy relationships. And I just, I feel like we need to do better. And I, I've been, I've been just, again, I listeners, you're hearing me speak from a place of pure and raw emotion. Like I am just in a, I am in a place where this is, I can't script this. Like this is totally unscripted. Like there's so many thoughts in my mind and in my heart about how, what, what this is going to look like. And so I'm really excited about like, about looking at this further and going deeper with it because it is, it, it, this shit's deep. This is deeply rooted. And I think one of the things that needs to be looked at and, and I encountered this personally, um, after my separation was around this stigma that we are, that I am because I walked away from a marriage that I am going to hurt my children. Yep. That my children are going to be negatively impacted by a divorce or a separation. Yep. Um, that there's research that shows that children uh, struggle more when they are older, when they come from a broken home or divorced parents. And I really had to, I struggled with that a and I, I refuse to believe that yeah. um, because I also know, and just from my own research, you know, we also know that children who are in loving, safe environments will flourish yeah. as well. And so if that environment is not good between two people and they separate and you know that they, that, that through that separation, that they are healthier, happier individuals and potentially in other relationships that are healthier and happier, that their children will see this. Yeah. And that's okay. I think that we, we, again, within our communities, make the assumption that we're, we're messing up our children, therefore shaming our own people into staying in unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And it's, that's not okay. Like if, if two people have grown at different rates and have outgrown each other essentially and are not and shouldn't be together, then 
how is that beneficial to our children yep. in a sense yep. when they can see like I you know my parents are divorced and I've talked about this in, in previous podcasts and we have a, a blended family mm-hmm. and while that didn't happen right away yep. um, it, it eventually did happen and you know we can be in spaces where both my parents and their partners we have dinners together they're supporting us in um, ceremony there we're together for celebrations and and birthdays uh, and it's okay yep and it's healthy and it's nice to see all of us together and for you know are for my children to also witness and have that and the abundance of love that they get they don't just have you know one Muslim and one cookum. Yeah, they have two cookums and a Muslim and a Papa. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so there's there's that double love, and that's, you know, that's that's also so important to I think look at when you think about your research and how, <laughs> how we we shame <laughs> one another. Yeah, into staying in unhealthy relationships uh-huh. when sometimes you know that's again like where does that come from? Where yep. where does that come from that you need to? Is that like our traditional beliefs? Is that something that came? Where did that stem from? Uh-huh. That we need to be with one person for the rest of our lives. <laughs> oh girl, <laughs> oh girl, you you know, <laughs> shit ain't true for me. <laughs> But again, like, and, and I, you bring up a really good point and, and maybe I'll end with this where it's like, I'll end my piece with this, where it's like, you know, if I think about, and I'll use the father, this example again, just because it's, it's relevant to the story I'm about to share. When me and the father of my kids decided to separate for, for good, uh, he moved on really quickly. Uh, and, um, I was really hurt. Like I was really hurt. I didn't want to be with him, but I was really hurt. I was hurt that he would move on so quickly and I felt very replaced. And again, that was coming from a place of insecurity and a wounded ego. Really, that's where it was coming from, where it was like, how dare you, right? Yeah. And so it took me time. It took me time and a lot of like recognizing that that, that, that that was about me. That was my stuff. It was about how I was feeling about myself, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out that his, his, his last wife is cool as shit. You know, like we get along really, really, really well now. Right. It took us time, but we got there and I just had her daughter. I had, um, I had her daughter this evening and she fell asleep in the car and you talk about that abundance of love and she fell asleep in the car. We went over to my niece's house and we we're visiting and Okanese is her name, the little girl. And, uh, she was visiting with my, my niece, Kayla's daughter. And we were driving back to my place and Okanese fell asleep and she's three And so she fell asleep and then her mom was waiting for her at my house. And so we pull up and, and her mom gets out and, you know, I'm, I'm getting Okanese out of the vehicle and she was, you know, she had just woken up and I grab her and I hold her and she hugs me and she said, is my, is my real mom here too? (laughs) And I looked at her and I'm like, yeah, your real mom's right here. And she's like, oh, hi mommy. But she stayed and she hugged me and she just wrapped her little arms around me. And, you know, and I think that, again, it it can be odd for people to, you know, people might think that that's odd, you know, that me and, you know, his ex-wife, because they're no longer together, that me and her still have, like, we have a great relationship because that sibling bond is more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. That little girl is part of our family. 
And so is her mom. Her mom's part of our family, right? And so we invite them to dinners, etc. But this little girl doesn't, she doesn't need to be caught up in that. Mm -mm. This little girl does, she's three. She doesn't need to know all of the past shit. She doesn't need to know any of the drama. She doesn't need to know any of the insecurities of the parents. She just needs to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And she needs to know that I'm also a mother to her in many ways, right? And so she calls me Amber, but she looked at me and she's like, is my real mom here? And I'm looking at her, I'm like, yeah, she's right there. But you know what I think about how like these types of relationships can occur. And I've seen them in Indian country. I have. I've seen I've seen relationships like that in Indian country. And so that again gives me hope. I I just know though that there is so much work that we have to do. We have so much work to do Indian country. <laughs> we have so much work to do in relation to healthy relationships, intimate partner relationships. And if there's one thing that I will encourage every single person to do if you're out there dating, don't shock up right away. Give it a couple <laughs> weeks. So oh, settle down. Oh, wait. Don't get pregnant. What not? Right away. Just wait. <laughs> but before you shock up, you know, before like some of those questions that you can ask your partner that are healthy, asking them, what are your needs in a relationship? If you think about what you need in a relationship, an intimate partner relationship, what are the needs? What are your needs? And if they don't know right away, ask them to do it as homework. Mm -hmm. Ask them to do it. Say, I want to know. I want to know what your needs are. Right. And then the other piece is like asking them in a healthy way, you know, in a kind, compassionate way. Like if you think about your past relationships, like what role do you think you played when in the in the demise of the relationship or the ending of the relationship? Like, did you play a role in that? Because one of the things we like to do really easily, and this is about shame bound family systems, is like we like to blame other people like it was that other person it's them they're the ones who did it they were rank fuck they were fucking rugged you know we want to blame the rugged one right away i'm tired of it but that's it but that's it though like we we want to blame and then we and then that then we avoid taking any accountability and responsibility and then we go into the next relationship thinking that we don't hold any accountability and responsibility and i think that that also needs to change and so to add to that, the other piece to that is while we are understanding and communicating what are our needs is also um, while we, we, for instance, and I'll give an example, say my need is to, um, I need to be, I need constant affection or I have, I need that constant intimacy or mm -hmm. I need to be constantly nurtured. Mm -hmm. I need to look at where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. And so why do I need that? So taking it again, like that step deeper of, of why do I always need to be nurtured? Yep. Did, I, did I not receive that in my childhood? Was that something that maybe, and, and again, this is just, I'm just giving you an example, but like maybe I was neglected yep. as a child. Yep. And through that neglect, um, there's this desperation of feeling the need to be nurtured in a relationship yes. to a, an extent of it being unhealthy. Yes. So if you're not giving me in that relationship, if you're not giving me the, the full nurturing, mothering, for instance, um, affection that I need, that I didn't necessarily, like a partner doesn't need to mother another partner or whatever mm -hmm. that we are we set ourselves up 
we set ourselves up into again breaking down that relationship because we're not dealing with our own stuff and so while we know what our needs are take it that step deeper and 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 where is that need coming from is it is there that attachment to childhood of some sort of Mm -hmm. I need this because you know I didn't get that when I was a child or Mm -hmm. this happened to me Um, and understanding that because then that kid obviously that opens up so much more for you in understanding the way in which you communicate mm-hmm. in relationship with others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm be in about five years. Well, maybe six. You guys look out for indigenous love languages. Holy, I'm gonna come full What's force. What's your love language? What is your indigenous love language? What you know, would be the indigenous love languages? That's what I'm gonna research. That's what I'm gonna research. Cause you know, like in the '90s, that Dr. Chapman he wrote that five love languages: affirma- or affirmation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, intimacy. All there's five of them. Right. And so we oftentimes will look at that and be like, oh, my love languages are... And while that's all fine and dandy, we need them to be trauma-informed. Completely. We need those love languages to be trauma-informed and to go very deep into not just trauma-informed, but indigenous Mm trauma-informed love languages. We need... I'm going to develop indigenous trauma-informed love languages. And I am. I said that out loud. I said that out loud. And, and you know, and a big piece to that is also the piece that misses from the five love languages is that is that spiritual aspect totally. that is always missed within totally. any of our Western theories and practices and education is around ceremony, around spirit. And yeah. so what does that look like for in our relationships as well and the relationships that we go into? Yeah. Um, and, and, and supporting one another in yeah. those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, that is right. Oh, I just feel like a load was lifted off of my shoulders. No, I'm, and I'm thankful. And I'm thankful for you, Terry, because like, again, like I've, I've been thinking about this for so long and I haven't said anything. I haven't said anything. And this stuff has kept me up at night. It's literally kept me up where I've like laid in bed and I'm like, okay, like, you know, and then, and then I've had to ask myself, why do you want to do this research? Why? And I've thought about that too. Why is it relevant or important to me? And again, it's relevant and important to me. And this is the thing that Auntie Leona said to me years ago. Why do you want to do a PhD, Amber? Why would you want to apply for a PhD? And I didn't have an answer for her Mm -hmm. either. And now I have the answer because my hope is that this will inform and, and assist Indigenous partners, Indigenous couples, Mm -hmm. people who are partnering and coupling. And my hope is that in the future, that again, we will have, we, and I, and again, I have to live there. I have to live in hope. If I don't live in hope, I die. And that's literally how I have to live that way. I have to live that there's always hope. And if there's one thing I know for certain is that we have to talk about possibility there's always possibility there's always possibility this the minute we stop talking possibility is the minute that everything just ends and we have to speak possibility so I know that these things are possible I know it's possible and it's important to me because I my hope is that this will impact indigenous communities indigenous families indigenous couples in a really positive way Mm -hmm. and that 
that's that's what she meant when she said why do you want to do this and it's not for selfish reasons like yeah I have questions of course you're like yeah I want to shack up (laughs) (laughs) call me my number is Oh, need to shack up. But before we shack up, be shacked up by the end of this oh, research. My goal, I uh, indigenous love languages and find a husband. A husband is needed. I need someone to help me unpack this. And, 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 and that's the thing, right? Is again, I think that part of that too is just understanding my own stuff and understanding that, you know, that this is, this is important to me. And and I'm I'm excited. I mean, I haven't even gotten into the program yet, so cross fingers. But I'm excited. And like I said, thank you for for allowing me to talk about this. Because again, we were talking for like an hour and a half before we even started recording about like why this is important and talking about relationships. And and it's so important for me to have people like you and now our listeners to like hear that there is again we have so much work to do Indian country and and it's possible it's it's possible and and I and I just hope that this is um whatever you needed to hear today I I said what I needed to say I said what I said um but no um, editing no 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 no, this is uncut just like every other conversation we have uncut unfiltered you get real raw amber um and Terry but yeah but I thank you for for allowing me the space to just kind of get this stuff out because it has been on my mind and in my heart for months. So I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too. So thank you listeners for listening uh, to Amber and I tonight for episode 11. Holy crap. I know. So have a good night. Hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod, ayy. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point. Frustrations of a common man. Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land. I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor. Like, what's the use of my kids? Can't taste clean water. A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice. Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice. Remember ancestors' anguish, lightning in our veins. Hear it in a language when they are kissing for the rain. I am product of people that persevere persecution. Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting. Experience our pain when our women disappear daily. Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptations? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.